Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, I'm really excited about this word that God's laid on my heart for our church at this moment. So if you've got your Bible, I want us to jump straight into that. If you don't have it with you and you're not following along, it'll come up on the screen for you. But we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and reading from verses 1 to 8. Let's do that together. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. I think it's really important to note that Jesus never uses imagery loosely. When he's trying to paint a picture inside our hearts and minds, he takes us to something that we know well so that we can look into that story to see a little bit more of the relationship that he's trying to illustrate. And I I think there's some real power in the detail of this imagery. What I want to look at today is this picture and two big ideas that I think Jesus is trying to draw out. He's trying to talk about the connection that you and I already have with him. And the second thing he's trying to draw out is our fruitfulness. What we can experience as fruitfulness because of that connection that we already have with Jesus. And my prayer in this whole preach today is that something inside of you would become free. Those of you that have walked with Jesus for a very long time, you might see something afresh that would bring a whole new life to your Christian faith. For those of you that are watching and perhaps you haven't made the step yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ, my hope is that you'll see something about the promise that Jesus makes us that will be so attractive to you that you want to take further steps towards him. Can we just pray before we move any further? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the imagery. I thank you for the way that you try so hard to open our minds and hearts to the kind of relationship you want us to have with you. God, you actually desire intimacy with us. You've taken every barrier away that would stop that from happening. And you invite us into a close walk with you. Father, would you afresh paint a picture inside each of our hearts As we open your word today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus talks in this scripture about abide in me. There's a picture that he paints between a vine and a branch. It's interesting when you look at this picture of the vine and the branch, he's talking about what it means to abide in him. When when you see a vine and a branch, you actually don't see the difference between the branch and the vine. In other words, it just continues to be one plant. 
what is the vine or the, the main stalk and what becomes the branch actually to the untrained eye looks like one plant from which then there's fruit that's hanging on the end of it, whatever that vine might be and whatever the fruit is that it's trying to produce. Jesus is trying to say that whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're conscious of it or not, you are that connected to him. That where he finishes and you begin, that junction point between you and Jesus, there is an imperceptible join between you and him. My question to you today, though, is are you conscious of that? Do you have a consciousness of that imperceptible connection that you have between yourself and Jesus? Or do you believe that there is actually quite a big gap? My hope today is that the Spirit of God will inspire you. That's not true, that actually there is a great connection you have between you and the Lord. Paul, writing in the book of Romans, says this in Romans 8 and verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The practice that awakens our relational connection with Jesus is our consciousness of Him. What are you conscious of mostly throughout the day? You know, if you're like most people, you've got one of these. And as a result of it being in your pocket all day, if you're anything like me, you're constantly touching it because you're worried you've left it somewhere. You're worried you left it in the car, in the shopping centre, at someone's desk. You've dropped out of your pocket, it's fallen on the ground. And so you're constantly touching it to see if it's on your body. There's such a consciousness that we have around technology that it becomes, it's almost habitual for us to reach out and see if this thing is still attached to us in some way. See, in the same way, your consciousness of Jesus is your attachment point to the vine. See, Jesus is already close to you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why that's absolutely true. But the question is, are you close to him? Are you close to him? Are you conscious of the connection point that you have between yourself and him? Your God consciousness actually activates spirit power inside you. What you're conscious of will prompt you. You know, when I'm holding this, this device and it's often on silent because, it, you know, I don't want it to disturb the meetings I'm in or whatever I'm doing, but it's vibrating in my pocket all the time. I'm, I'm pulling it out often at any time when there's dead time throughout the day and I'm checking my emails, I'm checking my SMS, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on in social media. So I am being prompted because of my consciousness of this device. And God is wanting to be that close to the level of consciousness that's in you. If you're conscious of Jesus, then you will be prompted by him. You will be persuaded by him. You will be influenced by him. Your heart will break for the things that he sees and your behavior will change. The holiness of your life is directly proportionate to your God consciousness. I think it's fair to say that the more that you're aware that Jesus is with you, the more that you'd be aware to walk in a way that pleases him. It's hard to, you know, criticize your boss if Jesus is standing right with you. You know, it's hard to wind the window down and throw those fingers out the window at the motorist who's cut you off if Jesus is in the passenger seat going with you. How, how's your God consciousness today? 
how conscious are you are that you're walking, that the vine and the branch is imperceptibly linked. He is with you. He never leaves you or ever forsakes you. You know, God consciousness is not about necessarily feeling the presence of God. I, I love feeling the presence of God. Feeling the presence of God is a wonderful blessing, but feelings are fickle. Feelings come and feelings go. What we're talking about here is not a feeling of the presence of God. It's a knowing that God is with you. There's a knowingness that sits deep inside us that we carry all the time. God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. In my life group, I lead a young adult's life group at my place. There's, um, there's a, a young man in there that, that is fluent in Chinese. He reads Chinese. He speaks Chinese. And, uh, you know, if you put the characters in front of him, he reads it fluently. He reads it easily. You put the characters in front of anybody else, including me, they're just really wonderful little characters that have absolutely no meaning to me. But if you put English in front of me and I start to read the words of English, I know the words and it just flows naturally. I don't get nervous when someone says, hey, would you read this for me? You know, I don't get nervous when someone says to me, you know, could you please just uh, you know, read this passage from the Bible? Not necessarily because I understand what's being said, but because I know the English that it's written in. There's a knowingness inside me. There's a knowledge inside me that I just carry with me. It's not related to my feelings. Whether I feel like I know English or not, I know English. And so do you. If you know a language, you know it, whether you feel like you do or you don't. You wake up in the morning, you feel like you can read Chinese is irrelevant. Can you or can't you? And knowing God is the same thing, the consciousness of God. Jesus uses the word abide instead of consciousness. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. There's an 18th century theologian called Leopold Ruckett. And his quote or his definition for the word abide, I think is powerful. He says, abide is something that has established itself permanently within my soul and always exerts its power in me. What he's saying is, is what you're conscious of exerts power over you. To abide in him means I become conscious of my proximity to him. It exerts power over me. It shifts my point of reference. It changes my behavior. Jesus goes on to say in the example of the vine that without the vine, the branch can do nothing. In other words, we're not just conscious of him, but we're dependent on him. So the fruit that comes out of our life isn't just because we're conscious of him, it's because we're dependent on his power to move through us so that the fruit that becomes out of our life is fruit that remains. It's the same level of dependence that Jesus was referring to when he talked about the relationship he had with his father. He said, I didn't do anything that I didn't see my father do. In other words, he is completely walking lockstep with the father. If the father said, do this, he did it. If the father said, go there. In other words, he was conscious of the father's will in his life perpetually and constantly. And Jesus wants that same consciousness and dependence in our life when it comes to him. You know, there are two levels of this, really. I mean, the Bible speaks about Jesus as our creator. The Bible says that all things are created by him and sustained by him. So whether you're a person that believes in Jesus or not, the Bible is quite clear that he is our creator. He is the one that stood before the beginning of time and he proclaimed and he said, let there be light. And he put into place the, the cosmos. He put in place the firmament, the heavens and the earth. He put the things on the earth and in the earth that are here and he created humankind. And so we are the product of him. Our life 
exists because he says it does. We live by the grace of God. Every breath that you breathe is because of the grace of God. But there's another layer to this, and that is your life then produces fruit. And there's two types of that fruit. Some of the fruit will be fruit of the flesh. It'll be temporal fruit. It'll be fruit that, that the Bible often talks about wearies us. It's artificial. It's external. It's often surrounded by the cares of the world, the things that weigh us down. But Jesus is talking about a different type of fruit. This is the fruit that remains. It's fruit that taps into the life of God. It regenerates us. It's, it's when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest for your souls. He's actually talking about work in that, but it's work that is light and easy and restful. There is a fruit that comes out of the life of God that is eternal. It remains. And it's the fruit of the vine that comes from Jesus and through your life. And he wants you to engage in that. He wants you to be conscious of him. He wants you to be dependent on him. In Jesus' example, he's saying that the branch is unable to create its own fruit. The branch doesn't say to itself, you know, what will I do today? Is it peaches? Will it be plums? Will it be grapes? You know, I hang on, I haven't made up my mind. The branch doesn't do that. The, the vine determines the nutrients that flow through it and the branch automatically produces the fruit that the vine has said it should. In 1 John Chapter 4 and verse 15, there is an astounding piece of scripture that the Apostle John writes. And, and, and I think it's, it's one of those things that challenges our core. It challenges the insecurities of our life right to the very base of who we are. It says this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And here's the statement, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. He's not saying that as he was, as Jesus was in the gospels, as astounding as that is, as wonderful as that is, and as a great example to us as that is, what John is actually taking that a step further. He's saying, as he is, present tense continuous, as he is right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, fully resurrected, human, divinely the Son of God and Son of Man, as he is in that standing before the Father, so are we in this world. It actually defies every sense of religiosity that wants to get around our heart. It actually challenges every bit of insecurity or human thinking that wants to come around our mind. He's actually elevating our humanness because of the Spirit of God and the righteousness of the gift of God to the place where Jesus is today. And he says, as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus said, how can I build my church? What will I do to build my church? He was talking to the disciples and he said this, I have to leave so another can come. And he spoke about the, the paraclete. He talked about the Holy Spirit who was coming and he said that he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Well, what is it that he's going to declare? What is it that belongs to Jesus that the Holy Spirit is going to declare to us? He's going to declare words of life and words of truth. Because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the one who spoke words of creative power and life. They're the things that Jesus has. 
And so the Holy Spirit is going to listen to what Jesus says and he's going to speak that into the world. He's going to create the church because the church is going to be a group of people, a body of believers that are going to hear that voice. They're going to rise up by faith and they're going to say, I don't live according to the world standards, what the world would dictate to me, how I should think and believe. No, I'm listening to creative words of life and power that come out of the mind of the Father through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I need to get out of the way so that spirit can come because he's going to bring words of life and truth. What belongs to me, he's going to give to you. Paul spoke about the role of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 and verse 14. He says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know, there's a big dream in God. He's trying to birth in you. He's trying to place a witness inside you that you are a child of God. You belong to him. And so Jesus says, abide in me, be conscious of me, be dependent on me and you will hear my voice. You will hear my voice. I love this Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. For it was fitting for him, the father, for whom all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You know, think about that for a minute. You are brethren with Jesus. God the Father was not ashamed to take the captain of our salvation through a place of suffering so that he could call us all brethren, one with him, as he is so are we in this world. You know, we haven't just been pardoned from sin. We have been given the gift of righteousness. We have to get hold of this. You know, it's more than an escape from sin. It, the, the cross is powerful and it's wonderful, but it's more than an escape from sin. It's the power to be in relationship with God. It's actually to walk with God. You know, it's a little bit like the story of, of childbirth. You know, I've never been to a birthday party yet where the cake comes out in the middle, the child sits there and the child is made to honour the mother's sacrifice and pain that she went through to birth the child. The focus is not on the birthing the pain, the sacrifice, all the things that, have, that went into the actual creation of human life. That's not the focus. The celebration is on family. It's on life. It's on connection. It's on all of the wonderful things that have happened in that child's life and all of the potential of things that are about to happen. That's the joy that's in the parent's heart. Yes, there was a time of childbirth. There was a time for suffering and pain, but that is long forgotten as the family now moves forward in this, in this place of great celebration. And every birthday is actually a celebration of life 
and not a celebration of pain. In the same way, I believe God the Father is saying, yes, there was great suffering on the cross and there is time for us to stop and remember. But folks, can I, can I plead with you today? God wants far more from our worship than just looking at the pain of the cross. What he wants you to do is celebrate the gift of righteousness. Celebrate the fact that you have been brought into a place of relationship with him and that is the power that you have. Walking with the living God and his spirit walking with you. God's desire is the manifestation of the sons and daughters. He wants to crush your enemies of inferiority, of doubt, of unworthiness and shame. These enemies that want to speak to our heart and keep us out of the place where God wants us to be. It wants to hold us back. These enemies that want to speak so loudly are lying to the human race. God is simply saying, come. I love you. Walk with me. Allow me to be your father. And let me show you as you abide in me how to walk with me. Jesus then went on to say in this example, abide in me and my words abide in you. He said, let my words abide in you. In the economy of God, words are the source of divine life and power. There's a Hebrew word called debar. And this word is, is an intricate word. It's a complex word, really. But debar actually means two things. It means the thing itself that we're talking about, but it also means the hinterland of that thing. Let me give you an example. When God said, let there be light, when he was creating the world and he said, light be. When God said the word light, and I, I, I assume he said the word light. I, I don't know what he said. I don't know whether God spoke Hebrew English, Chinese, Swahili, I don't know. But he spoke a word that meant light. He was speaking at two levels. He was talking about the thing called light, but God also understood the physics and the mathematics and the chemistry and the gaseous exchanges and the powerful elements that all went into what had to happen for darkness to dissipate and for light to be. So when he said light, he was talking about the thing called light, but he was actually fully understanding all of the other things that went in it and he spoke it into being. So when God speaks a word, God has got a lot of meaning behind that word. God's word becomes a creative promise because we only see in part, but what's behind God's word is the power to fulfill it. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 says this, and again, I love the imagery of how God is trying to communicate to us. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it forth, bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's giving us a picture, just like rain comes down from heaven and then doesn't just disappear again, it actually produces something in the earth. His word goes out eternally and creates. There is a creative covenant promise in every word that God says. It's why Paul says in Romans 8, it's, a, it's 10 verses on from where we read before. But he says in verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weakness. Well, what is the weakness? Interestingly, you know, we, we talk about the weakness that we have. Well, what does the Holy Spirit think our weakness is? 
You know, we talk about a whole bunch of things that we think are human weaknesses. What does God think? God says your weakness is this. My weakness is this. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, the weakness that we have is we don't know how to speak the words of creative life and power because we don't have the perspectives of God. But, but... If we will live by the witness of the Spirit, if we will allow God's promptings, if we will be dependent on Him, conscious of Him and allow His Spirit to breathe something in us, He'll breathe two things inside you. One, He'll breathe that sense of sonship and daughtership. He will locate you in His family. He will tell you you are worthy and He will put His stamp on you and He will call you sons and daughters. And the second thing He will do is He will put a prayer inside you of faith. In other words, you will know how to pray. You'll know what the word is that God wants spoken into a situation and you will cooperate with him and your prayer will change things. Your prayer will do things. People will be healed. Lives will be changed. Prayers will be effective as we pray according to the will of the Lord. It's why words are such a battleground. It's why the devil wants nothing better than to steal the word of faith from your life. He wants to steal it. He wants to get you caught in the whole idea of opinion. He wants to get you turning around, thinking about everybody else's advice. He wants you to kind of muddle around in, in fleshly knowledge and secular understandings and keep you absolutely just occupied. Because he knows if you get hold of a word from God that you know has come from God, you will change everything. You will send him and his demons to flight. 2 Corinthians 10 says this in the Amplified for the weapons of our warfare are not weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds, refuting arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, leading every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ being in readiness to punish every disobedience when your own submission and obedience is fully secured and complete. Jesus is saying, don't listen to the negative voice of the devil. Don't pray from the position of being unworthy. Let me tell you who you are and what I can do through you. Jesus is saying he wants to crush the enemies of guilt and shame and condemnation, anxiety and depression. He wants to take the words that somehow get inside us, that speak to us. And he wants to replace those words with his words, his words of life and power. Then interestingly, in this scripture, he, Jesus kind of says something that seems painful. He goes on and says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You see, in the kingdom of God, pruning is not punishment. Pruning is the reward for fruitfulness. If you're fruitful, you'll be pruned. And God's entire agenda for that pruning is that you will be more fruitful. See, pruning takes us deeper. Pruning is God's word coming to us to readjust us. His word is not coming to cut you down, to, to fill you with insecurity, to, 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 to hurt you. God is wanting to correct you, adjust you 
and he does it by his grace. There's a couple of examples of this in the Gospels. I just love it. You know, we see in the disciples our own lives, really, but we also see how Jesus dealt so kindly with them and how he pruned them. You know, in Luke 9, Jesus sends out the 12 and they go out and they see miracles and healing and they cast out devils. And, and then straight after that, Peter confesses that he's the Messiah. You know, Jesus says, who, who, what do people say that I am? And, and Peter says, well, some say you're a prophet, some say you're Elijah. But he said, but I say that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus goes, man, the flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. That's come from my father in heaven. And then Jesus takes the three of them uh, up on the hill, Peter, uh, James and John up onto the hill and he's transfigured up there. They see the glory of Jesus and, and Elijah's walking with them and it's amazing. And then they come down and Jesus walks past them in the next verse and they're arguing amongst themselves about who's the greatest. Uh, pride comes in so quickly. They've, they've seen some amazing things. They've participated in some incredible things. They're looking at some amazing things. And so now it's time to say, well, who will be the greatest? We've done some great things. Whoa. And Jesus simply says this, whoever will be greatest will be least among you. He says, see that child, unless you become as a child, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus doesn't rob them from the experience. He does not try to take away from the, the power that they've experienced, the walk that they've had, the incredible glories that they've witnessed. But as pride starts to rise, there's a little fruit that's starting to bear fruit in there that he doesn't want to see that grow into a plant. So he just snips that bit. He says, no, no, you need to become like a child. And that bit drops off. He prunes it. There's another part to me I, I find fascinating in the book of Acts chapter one. Jesus is resurrected. He's he spent 40 days with them, the Bible says, explaining the law and the prophets, talking about himself and how he's fulfilled all things. And then they say this to him, Lord, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This whole theology that Jesus is now going to take the Roman Empire, cut them to pieces. Jesus is going to become king. They're all going to sit on thrones. They're still carrying that idea. Jesus has tried to show them time and time again that his kingdom is not of this world yet but he's got a kingdom of the spirit. And yet still, they're still asking the question, okay, now, now, now are you getting rid of the Romans? And Jesus just simply says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. Stay in Jerusalem and wait for the spirit. In other words, Jesus sees another little shoot coming out, a little bit of false theology that's starting to, but he doesn't curse the whole plant. He just snips that bit off. He says, it's not for you to know, trust me. Let my words prune you. In this whole scripture, Jesus is saying this. Above all, I want two things with you. I want connection and I want fruitfulness. Let me tell you who you are and let me give you a promise of what I can do through you. As you walk with me, I will show you better and better ways of doing things. In other words, I'll prune you as you go. But first, I want you to go. I want you to move with me. Start to act in the light of what I've already shown you. And in that obedience, I will prosper you. I will help you. And as you go, I will correct you. But all the while, I will love you. And we will walk together. Because this is how my Father is glorified. His plan coming into reality, sons and daughters of God that look like me, walking throughout the earth. I wonder this morning, could we pray? I believe that God has really moved on my heart, that there's some people here today that God would really love to touch and help you 
in, in just a time of ministry now. Could we just pray before we begin that together? Father, we thank you for the richness of your word. God, we thank you that when you bring truth to us, you try to show us uh, imagery that leads us into a rich place of understanding. God, you know that sometimes resolute inside us is this orphan spirit, this part inside us that wants to pull against this relational connection that you want with us. And you're trying to convince us constantly of your desire that you want to come close to us and that we also can come close to you. I pray today, God, that you would help every person under the sound of my voice hear that small, still voice of the Spirit and give their heart to you afresh. Father, would you help us become the sons and daughters that you've called us to be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's two groups of people today I'd, I'd really love to pray for. The first group is that you say to yourself, I am tired of living with the accusing voices of my past. I think there's three big voices that accuse a human life. One is guilt. Guilt says, I've done something wrong and I remember it. Shame, which says not so much that I did something wrong, but I'm wrong. I as a person am wrong and I can never be right. And thirdly, condemnation, which basically says I have to keep paying for what I did wrong. Guilt, shame and condemnation. And my heart this week has just been burdened to pray for those of you who just, for whatever's happened in your past, you would like to once and for all cut that from your life, that you would move on from that story and enter into a fresh, this fresh picture of what God is wanting to birth inside you. If that's you today, there's a prayer that's going to come up on the screen and I'd love you to enter into this prayer. Allow the words of this prayer to wash over you. Let this be your heart's prayer towards God. I believe by the power of His Spirit today, He can come and help you and help you move forward into a different future. Let's pray this together. Jesus, you have set me free. I am not my past. I am who you say I am. Today, I cast down every thought that tries to exalt itself against this truth. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. This means that old things have passed away. All things in my life have become new. My future is not tied in any way to my past. My future is now what you say it is. This future will always be exceedingly and abundantly above all I could ask or think. I choose today to shift my thinking and my speaking so that your words of truth become my new reality. In Jesus' name, we agree together. Amen. You know, there'll be those of us today who prayed that prayer as Christians, we believe in Jesus, but we've struggled for many years. And there'll be others, and you might have prayed that prayer for the first time. You, you may never have been uh, what you would classify as a Christian. You may never, ever have been part of the faith before. And if you did pray that for the first time, or if you pray that as a Christian today, we'd love to pray further with you. We'd love to help you in your journey. Would you go to the prayer button? that's on your screen and click on it. There are people waiting who would love to pray with you further and help you take next steps in the journey based on that prayer that you've just begun today.
the second group of people I want to pray for are those of you who, who you'd say, I have been stuck in neutral for a long time. I feel like I've been in this season for quite some time and I know it's time for me to move forward in God. It's time for me to awaken the promises that God has already given me and step towards them in faith. There is a fruitfulness, there is calling, there is gifting, there is ministry that God is calling me into. And I know it's time for me to move. It's time for me to rise up and go to see and experience the growth and productivity and harvest that God has for you. If that's you today, I want to believe God for you. I want to stand with you in faith because I think a lot of people in this season have been deeply challenged to walk deeper with God and become more fruitful in their relationship with God. So come on, let's just pray together. If that's you, why don't you reach a hand out towards the TV screen or computer screen, whatever it is you're in front of, and let's just believe together. Father, I thank you for this act of faith that each person is doing as they reach to you right now. Father, we ask you, God, would you open the doors that are needed? Would you put courage in our hearts? God, would you cause us to rise by faith and begin to put in our mouth now a new confession? God, that the season has changed. God, it's time for a new power. It's time for a new faith. It's time for a new mobilization of our lives. And God, in your spirit, we can do it. God, with you for us, who can stand against us? God, you can be the one that opens the doors, that brings the divine connections that we need, that gives us the ideas and the breakthrough that we've been asking for. And today, God, we petition you again. God, would you bring that breakthrough into our lives, we pray. We claim that which is our new season in you, in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.